not everyone is going to need the tools that we provide in the marketing calendar, right? Not everyone is going to be large enough a company to warrant upgrading to our marketing suite. They might find they still want to use our free headline studio tool. It's upon us in terms of retention to keep them within the biome from that perspective. We consider that a success, but we don't really cry over spilled milk when someone does go through the cancel process. Welcome to Retention Talk. I'm Neil Desai, and we're talking to the best minds in the world of product and customer success to bring you actionable strategies on reducing churn and boosting retention. This week, we're talking to Kelly, the former head of product at CoSchedule. In this episode, we talk about how Kelly kept churn customers in the company biome. They figured out what a successful customer looks like and pay close attention to what Kelly has to say about the customer always being right. Kelly, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am super excited to have you on the show to, to learn a little bit more about your journey and, and sort of what you guys are doing in the context of, of retention. So just to sort of give the, the audience some background, like how'd you end up here? What, do you, what are you working on these days? And uh, g- give us the sort of TLDR on, on your path here. Yeah. So I think I wound up in my role with the company the way many people in software application development do. We find our niche as individuals, or sometimes we find that we're generalists, or we're good at planning, or we're good at leading or ideating. And we just kind of naturally gravitate towards those roles as we mature in our respective like companies or like the markets that we're working in or as we're maybe moving from one job to another. I've been doing software project management for a long time, and I really started to gravitate towards like managing people. And then while I was doing that, it's like these seasons in life, like while I was doing that, I became really interested and having a greater role in the maker part of it, like how people are making things. So I was really fortunate to get offered a product management position here at CoSchedule. And over time, as our product lines matured, as our our company matured, we found that there was a really good intersection between my experience and the need for leadership in the department. So I've been in this head of product role for a couple of years now. I love that. And I love the point you made around like how we sort of stumble into different pieces, right? Over over a long enough time horizon into sort of what we're good at and, 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 and how we can add value. So that's great. And so obviously, you know, we're here to talk a little bit about, you know, how you guys think about retention. I'd love to get a sense of real quick, is there a team or person that ultimately owns revenue retention or customer retention? Um, and if so, like how did that come to be? So we do have a team titled the revenue team. And that team is dedicated to customer support, sales, and that side of what retention would look like from that perspective. But in reality, with me working on product, how I look at retention, how the product team looks at retention is we see it as a partnership with the revenue team, with marketing, with other product owners within the business that may at different points in our users and future customers journey be a part of not only their getting them to sign up for a trial, getting them to actually trial the product or signing up 
for one of our free products, but also what it takes to get them to convert and continue to provide them value throughout their journey with us, right? Because that's what retention is about. People stay if you're solving their problem, you're providing them value, and you're a good market fit for them. So product makes a lot of things, right? We build things, we ship things, but we also watch a lot of these numbers and partner with these other departments on getting to that level of success. Got it. Yeah, because I, I think to your point, right, a customer experience is going to obviously be one of the biggest drivers in, in how a customer ultimately is able to get value and, and, and solve the problems that they came to you for, regardless of the sales and support teams, right? What's the makeup of, of your customer base? Is, it, is there a self-serve segment and then folks that have account managers or, or what's that split look like? Yeah. So we have right now a few different product lines. Uh, our co-schedule marketing calendar is probably what we're most known for. And that is a self-serve product that the, uh, the application is literally designed to allow uh, individuals to organize all their content marketing in one place, right? To get rid of the makeshift life. Like this is where their planning lives. This is where their execution lives, right? That is a self-serve product where people sign up and trial, and then there's a conversion process in there after two weeks, right? So there's a lot of metrics that we just look at for just that product. We also have an enterprise, or you could call it a pro, I'm, I'm doing air quotes in the podcast world right now, where we have a more of a suite of products for companies that may require a little bit more handholding. Their marketing teams are slightly larger. That's a more guided demo onboarded product that we have that we do, like you mentioned, assign customer success management members to. Uh, they have like these partners in success, so where we can help the, and guide them along their journey because larger marketing teams may have more intricate or more steps to their workflow. They may have things like sign-offs or, or things like that. So we're, we're always very invested, not just within the application, but with our success management team of making sure that those people feel like they've got uh, a partner with us and that we're helping them be successful with marketing. We also just released the Headline Studio at the end of last year, and that is our newest product that's on the market, and it's quite literally a free product. It's free sign up, free for life, where individuals can go in and be like, hey, look, I'm trying to figure out whether or not I'm doing a good job of writing a headline for this blog post I'm doing. Well, you throw it in our application there, and we give you data on it. Like, yeah, you should maybe change an emotional word or you should consider uh, using a less used word or, or getting more detailed. Or we also now have just added an SEO component to that. So we're, we're really proud of that tool. And of course, then the way we provide further value is allowing people access to the pro features with that for a limited time. And then allowing them to keep the free version. So it's really kind of interesting, right? I know I'm rambling a lot about this, but we have three very distinct product lines that convert very differently and have retention concerns and or approaches that can be wildly different per application that we're talking about. It's interesting. We're constantly learning. We're constantly testing out things in each of these different product lines 
to break our assumptions on what works in one, not working in the other and vice versa. Got it. That makes total sense. We like to to think about, you know, retention in, in a couple of different buckets, right? One of which is these like strategic, larger sort of issues or, or challenges that your customers might have. And then there's like these mechanical pieces, right? Around getting folks on the right term length, you know, what your cancel process looks like and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, you, you said you, you guys have a pretty good relationship and, and CS and product is obviously working in lockstep. If someone ultimately does want to cancel, it could be, you know, the self-serve product, the scheduling one, or what have you, like what happens, right? How does the team react to that? And and walk me through like ultimately how, how the team responds to something like a cancellation. It's interesting, right? Because of the different product lines, but I'm just going to take our self-serve marketing calendar product right now to talk about. And because that's totally self-serve, the cancellation process is self-serve too. So during that process, we ask questions right? We'll, we'll ask them like, Hey, can you tell us why you want to leave? Can you tell us if you're um, looking at using a different product to solve some of the problems that we were solving? We don't overdo it with the questions because that can be a whole other friction point that you add during a cancellation process. There is a sweet spot for that, right? We honor their request, right? We say like, look, we get it. We didn't quite make the grade with you or we weren't quite the market fit or the product fit for you. Thank you for your feedback on this. We'll keep your account here for, you know, lockdown, of course, for X number of days, I think, you know, to make sure we're following federal and European standards, you know, we don't hold on to data any longer than we absolutely have to. But we'll say like, you know, come on back if you need to, you can restart your account. After that time period, you know, it's a different situation where they have to sign up for the trial again. But during this time, too, we also send them email journeys where we just say, you know, thank you for your time with us. You still have free access to all of our blogs, any of the white papers you've downloaded, any of the free tools that you may use. We still want you to be successful. I think that might be one of the bigger things we've been learning over the past couple years is that not everyone is going to need the tools that we provide in the marketing calendar, right? Not everyone is going to be large enough a company to warrant upgrading to our marketing suite. They might find they still want to use our free headline studio tool. It's upon us in terms of retention to keep them within the biome from that perspective. We consider that a success, but we don't really cry over spilled milk when someone does go through the cancel process. We just try to learn from what may or may not have happened during onboarding that didn't go well for them, during a communication with our communication journeys with them, et cetera. We just examine some of those things. To your point on the finding that sweet spot, it's funny. I, I feel like in recent years, the industry has shifted to reducing the friction to cancel because no one wants to be that customer that needs to jump through hoops and mail in letters and call people to cancel their subscription. But at the same time, I think us product people like want to learn why, right? Has there been anything that you can think of an insight or learning that you've had from those surveys that has directly informed product development or a feature or something that you guys have changed? Oh, absolutely. 
From a tactical standpoint of how we review churn surveys or how we execute on any of the information in those, we've learned not to be overreactionary, right? I think the biggest mistake a product team or any company that works in, in software can make is allowing the customers to drive the bus when it comes to the roadmap, right? And so you have to guard yourself against trying to fix every little thing that comes over in a churn survey. You have to reset yourself constantly and align to what the the market fit is or the product fit is for the user that you're trying to solve the problems for, right? But that being said, there are nuggets in there that absolutely help us, right? So if during a churn survey, someone says, well, I could never get this to do something the way I wanted it to. Whoa really? Boy, we should sit down and read that. And we should have QA double check and make sure there's not something weird happening in the app. Hey, we should also have our UI UX designers look at that too, from an onboarding and usage standpoint to see if some way we put in blockers to accessibility or to just onboarding that piece of the application, right? There's sometimes like interesting low hanging fruit, insurance surveys, but at the same time, like I absolutely caution people, do not get distracted by the things in there that isn't a market fit for you. I think you have to have sort of a long-term view on that where it's like, okay, you know, digest the information and see how that, you know, ultimately coincides with your roadmap. But totally, that makes total sense. What's something you guys may have struggled with that, you know, perhaps you've been able to turn around over the last six to 12 months? I wouldn't say in the six to 12 months we've struggled with it. I I think it's when we've started to solve the problem. But when we doubled down on developing strong use cases for what successful customers look like, and, and how they use our application and how we want them to use our application. And, you know, it, it's kind of old fashioned in a sense, but building out really strong personas, how those customers behave and, and the decision making that they do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis when it comes to their marketing planning and their content planning. And that has driven not just decisions on like things we were talking about, like small changes that we can make in the application, changes to onboarding that, but it's also driven our roadmap, right? That's the goal. That's how you want a roadmap driven. You want, you want to understand your market. You want to understand your user base. You want to know what success looks like long-term. So then things like retention, the conversations around retention start to become less about, oh my gosh, how do we how do we keep these customers from canceling, looking at churn surveys and reacting to those? And the conversation moves towards leading ways you can solve issues within the application, right? If you have an app and you have a certain area of the application, you know that when people use it and they use it either daily or monthly or weekly or whatever that metric looks like. And and you kind of watch that metric and and you start to correlate the use in that certain area to successful and retained customers. Well, then you just double down on that. You just make it really easy for people to start using it, onboarding to it, resources surrounding it, just taking down any barrier to increasing that usage that you can. That's a little bit more instead of reaction to turn, it's more results driven and focused on success for the customer. 
Awesome. Well, I know uh, I know we have a few minutes left here, Kelly, but but what's something you're really proud of as you think back on your time there? You know, it, it could be in the context of retention or otherwise, but you know, I'm sure I'm sure there's been at least from my experience in product, it's always a roller coaster, but ultimately really fulfilling. But but as you look back, what's something you're really proud of having having done? It would be really easy for me to point to like these products themselves or individual features. To be really honest with you, though, I'm so happy and proud of where just our internal teams continue to cross collaborate and push that side of our business to be more collaborative. I think product, it would be very easy for a product team to have a roadmap handed to them and just execute on that, right? The hard work comes in when the team is expected and empowered to connect with customer feedback channels more regularly, to talk to the people that are on our customer success team, to objectively be answering the question of what a successful customer looks like and partnering with what the revenue team and the marketing team sees that being, and and then discussing where the intersects don't happen, right? Where things fall outside of that, where opinions may differ. I think, you know, when you take simple things like an NPS score, right? And getting feedback through there and making it more while product absolutely owns that, but creating access and sharing feedback across all of the pillars of what the business is. I think those are the things that I'm really proud of. And I think I can only take a small part of the victory in making that happen because I'm only one person. That makes a ton of sense. I, I think from talking to a lot of folks recently, it's evident that product and then I think especially CS and sales are often very disjointed. And I think to your point, like the more you can inspire collaboration, because ultimately the, the goal and the metrics are the same, right? Among them, like hopefully, you know, that that trickles down and, and, and leads to good things. So awesome, Kelly. Well, if they want to learn more about you guys, how can they find you to learn more? Sure. Well, coschedule.com. That's the awesome company I work for. That's killing it every day. Sign up for a trial. Check us out. Would love to. I'm on Twitter at PMBidness, P-M-B-I-D-N-E-S-S. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me, tweeting at me or connecting with me on LinkedIn. I also have over the last year during COVID to keep energy in our community going. I'm located in, in Fargo, North Dakota. Co-Schedule's head corporate office is in Bismarck, North Dakota. So we're like in the middle, upper Midwest area. We're, we're a little isolated in a small area, but we started a full stack software engineering group and I can always be found monthly at that too. So if people haven't joined a local full stack group, and that's something you're passionate about. I absolutely recommend doing it. And I absolutely recommend starting one if none exists in your community. Thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. A huge thank you to Kelly for lending their time to the podcast today. With their help, we've developed a deeper perspective on how co-schedule drove retention. To recap, we talked about keeping churned customers in the company biome. Well, what does this mean? During the cancellation process, the team asks questions, but is careful not to overdo it. Customers can still keep their account and still get access to the free tools and white papers that are available. Kelly understands that a canceled customer does not necessarily mean they're gone for good, so they make it easy to return. Second, 
Figuring out what a successful customer actually looks like isn't always an easy task, but replicating success is tantamount to reducing churn. When you examine your app and look for movement patterns, it can become really clear where your efforts should be doubled and even tripled. Successful customers make churn an afterthought. And lastly, the customer may not always be right. As Kelly says, the biggest mistake a product team or a company can make is allowing customers to drive the bus when it comes to your roadmap. You have to reset yourself constantly and really align to what the market fit is or what the product fit is for the user that you're trying to solve the problems for. Low-hanging fruit can really be tempting, but getting distracted by the things that there isn't a market fit for can be deadly. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Retention Talk. Don't forget to subscribe at retentiontalk.com. And if you want to help spread the word, tag me on Twitter at neildesai23 and let's dish on today's episode. Please give us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice and let your friends know as well. And if you know a great guest, send me a message at neilaprofitwell.com. This has been a Profitwell Recur production, the largest, fastest-growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions. 